Welcome to the Agency Profit Podcast, a show dedicated to going deep space on agency operations, which is just as nerdy as it sounds. I'm your host, Marcel Petipoff. I'm the CEO of Parakeeto, a firm that helps digital and creative agencies measure and improve their profitability. Join me as I interview some of the smartest thought leaders and agency owners in our space and go deep into operations and metrics and all the other things you need to get right so you can spend less time worrying about operations and more time executing on your vision. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Agency Profit Podcast. I am joined today by a special guest who has built multi-million dollar businesses. He's produced critically acclaimed documentaries, Emmy award-winning TV shows. He's invested millions of dollars in real estate, and he's semi-retired at age 43 after spending lots of time in the video and TV production space running his own agency. And today he's sharing his lifetime of fiscal know-how, helping agencies and their owners plan for a more prosperous financial future. So with all of that, thank you for joining us today, Joe DeSanto. Hey, absolutely, man. Thanks so much for having me, Marcel. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because you've got uh, a really interesting background. Of course, you got into the creative services space. You built your own business. You've now exited that business. And we're able to kind of talk about that whole life cycle, the lessons learned, which I think is always a fun exercise, especially where you're not in the business anymore. So you can kind of you know share a little bit more openly. And then I think what you're doing today is really interesting. So excited to jump in. But before we cover all that, I'd love to give you an opportunity in your own words to kind of talk a little bit about what you do and who you serve. Yeah, well, um, these days, um, like you mentioned, I, I uh, my partners graciously catch me out of our business a few years ago, and I mainly did that because uh, I used to work a lot. <laughs> uh, the the production I actually owned a, a production and post production company that serviced uh, large like multinational agencies, but I used to manage all the business stuff, marketing, um, branding project management, sales, and also I managed all the finances uh, from the very beginning. I used to actually do them myself, like QuickBooks, you know, sit down after work and do that when we just started. And uh, I just was always good at that. I'm into that. I'm into personal finance. I'm into investing. And and so I, I wanted our company to be successful, obviously, but I also wanted to like ensure that um, both myself and my partners were, were coming away with something after all that hard work. And so I, I really always delved into personal finance and like, you know, making the most and keeping the, as much of the money you're making and then making the most of that money, um, pretty much by investing in other things. And so now, uh, I, I am working as a part time CFO, uh, both for my old company and also for other creative service companies, uh, in Los Angeles and actually a couple in Austin, Texas now. Yeah, so I've I got an interesting set of experience of creating a company, kind of exiting, changing your life up, figuring out a new role and a, and a new way to live, and sort of reinventing your life, um, all in a matter of twenty years. <laughs> interesting. So, and I'm, I want to double click on this for a minute because it's something I found myself. I like that term "double click." I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that. That's a good one. I've never heard that. <laughs> I've been using it more and more. Um, double click into this. This is an idea that I think I've been talking about a lot more recently, which is I think there's a lot of mud in the water in the industry about like when we're quoting a job, should we be thinking about net profitability or gross profitability? And from my perspective, it's always more useful to think about what is the gross profit going to look like on this? Because 
your net profit is just not that connected to a per project basis. You know, that's kind of happening on its own in another place. So you, from my perspective, it's like, if you want to just be able to compare all your jobs across each other and make that calculation simple and useful, historically focus on gross and have your gross target be relative to what you know, your overhead is, is generally going to look like. And so it sounds like in your case, you had for the production company, you had a gross profit target and that was relative to the overhead that you were carrying. And you, you were aware that it was lower because you, you tended to work with a lot more contractors and carry a smaller full-time staff. And then when you would subcontract the post-production company inside of that project, that had its own gross profit target. And that was also relative to how much overhead you were carrying there. So you were always thinking about it in terms of gross profit, but that target was adjusted based on overhead relative to the revenue for that business. Is that about right? That's exactly right. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, you obviously are worried about both uh, because, you know, as you as you mentioned in your opening, um, like owning a business is great, but what is the point of owning a business if you don't actually net any money at the end of the year, you know? So what I do now, like, is is I'm helping my clients just manage their company's money, but I'm educating them, and and it's, I'm, I'm always surprised, I'm sort of never surprised now, but I was just surprised how people do worry about their business finances to some degree, not even to the degree I, I, I think they should in that sense, but they're not worried about their personal finances much at all. And I'm like, well, but they are the same. Like, I mean, like there aren't, it's not like you're a stockholder in like a huge company. It's like you are the one of like three owners here. All the net really becomes your money. And it's like, you need to make sure, you know, it's like money enters your life at the company, but it really only becomes real. Like when you're filing your tax return and, and you're like realizing, okay, I actually made this much money for myself. It's in my bank account. And that's what I'm going to use to save and plan for my retirement. So I'm really trying to being an evangelist to my clients to be like, we got to look at your whole life financial picture, not just your business. It's like your business is where the money comes in. But like your savings account is really that true net result. And then you have to treat your personal life, I think, your personal finances like a business, you know, just like any business. You got income and expense in your personal finances, you know, obviously the expenses are your kid's school or whatever. But it's like that needs to be profitable as well, you know, and, and the true net net of that is that's that's going to be your nest egg for potentially stopping working someday if if that's in your plan, you know. Well, and I want to <laughs> delve into that because I think you're absolutely right. Um, as entrepreneurs, we tend to put most of our risk in our life into our business. And a lot of times we're not even necessarily clear on what exactly that means for things like retirement and things like, you know, long term financial planning. What are some of the big things that entrepreneurs should be thinking about, especially, you know, if they're owning a creative services business when it comes to holistically planning for their own financial success, um, whether that be how to be efficient about pulling money out of the business, how to think about building value into the company versus taking cash out and investing it personally. Um, mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you see often and uh, some of the, the things that our listeners should be thinking about in that context? Sure. Well, I'm going to double back a little bit in that, you know, kind of looking at it like as this whole thing is first I focus on the business is like, OK, the per project costs and trying to figure out, you know, the profile of the business that we do 
and look at the, you know, I would always calculate just on a project basis, the cost of things. And then I would figure out which clients of ours, like what, what jobs are those coming and do the, the best, which do the worst. And then you start to figure out over time, like, well, which clients maybe do I want to, do I want to get rid of, you know, uh, or yeah. which ones do I want to nurture? And after that, you have your, you know, you're working down your net profit. So you got your overhead and you're always trying to balance. Like for me, it's like, if it was a freelancer that was specifically only there for the job, that's a job cost, you know, but obviously much of our staff is working on these projects, but they're kind of available to do other projects too. They're, they're crisscrossing. So I was kind of drew the line there. I'm like, if, if they're only here for this project, they're, a, they're a hard cost. Uh, if, if they're staff, obviously they're in the overhead, but one of the main things you're always looking for is freelancers are full time and when to make that transition. Um, hmm. And, and, and it's like, so you generally get your hard costs down by mostly removing freelancers and putting them in the staff category, but obviously then the staff overhead grows. But generally I find if, if you can kind of get to a certain threshold of needing a particular person, you know, maybe to the point of 50%, then you kind of switch them to freelance if you, I mean, to full-time, if you can get a quality person, because then you can... Yeah. Drop some more of that, you know, lower margin stuff on them in their free time and you can build them and they're there and you can have more like just a, a good net, you know, safety net for whatever's going to happen with any given client. Um, but and I, I mentioned staff because it is one of the biggest expenses, uh, you know, overall of, of running a, you know, a, a business with people, <laughs> you know, nowadays you it's like. I, I am envious of some of these, you know, scalable like software as a service companies that you just throw in another customer and it's like almost, you know, there's nothing to it because just keep <laughs> keep selling the thing. I mean, you know, it just it sits there on a computer. And it's amazing. Um, you know, in service businesses, every simple, time but it, I know, yeah, I know, but it, you know, it is a lot easier than than hiring people. You sure. can just, you know, you're you're welcoming piling on new customers for the service as much as you can with the service business like you're like okay i need like an actual person to do that now um <clears throat> i know i oversimplified I'm, I'm trying to get into the to the digital services game you know it's so exciting i call it um well i won't get into that um but anyway, uh, then after all your overhead and everything, it's like, okay, what's our net profit going to be? That's my life. You know, that's that's what I earn for all my hard work. Um, and I was always, you know, with my partners and I, it's like, my, I feel like you got to take the money out. You know what I mean? You have to, as an owner, you do get stressed. You do get burnt out. It's like you need that reward, I, I really think, um, especially after some time. In the beginning, you're just like so pumped. But... Uh, it, you know, after, after a few years of stress and anxiety and all that, you're just like, you need that reward. You need to see it happening. You know, you need to see the money coming into your bank account. I think now truth be told, that's not to say that it might not have to come back out of your bank account, you know, and go and go back into the company. Hopefully that doesn't happen. But if, but if it is needed, you are the person that's going to do that, or it's going to be from credit, you know? So I kind of had my little thresholds. It's like, I, I built a system where I knew what my sort of my my rough cost in a job should be so I knew what my basic revenue targets should be. I knew if I met those targets, it was going to net down to this for me. And if I could generally, you know, e I, I set up a system where I could just easily look at my numbers, my revenue on a gross basis and, and know that it was going to cascade into what my plan, you know, what my net result for myself was going to be. And then I usually would only leave a couple months, you know, 
buffer, like cash flow buffer, you know, in our in our accounts before we would take the money out for ourselves. I mean, I mean, in in, in actually in tax reality as an S corp, it's like. It, it's a pass-through entity, you know, it's like it, it all becomes taxable dollars for you at the end of the year, whether you take it out of the company bank account or not. So I'm like, if I'm going to pay taxes on it, I'm definitely going to like take it out of the bank account. Um, and, you know, you, you work your way towards not funding the, the shortages with your pay. You know, you you build up your credit line, you build up your credit, you you manage cash flow issues that way. And and you get the business to be in its own just self you know, uh, self-sufficient realm. And then I always say, you know, to some of my clients who are younger and nervous, you know, that, and, you know, they're responsible in that they don't want to drain the company account, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then not have enough money right. there. I'm like, well, you know, if the business isn't such that you can take the money out, you know, and feel comfortable and not, you know, not regularly have to put it back in. I mean, then you have to worry about if that a good business to be in, you know, um, generally most of my clients cases it is, you know, but, and, and they're trying to be responsible, but I, I do encourage them. I'm like, you know, take the reward. It's what's going to, it, it is what yeah. keeps you going in a, in a large way. Do you want some free resources to help you measure and improve your profitability? If you do, then I want to tell you about our agency profitability toolkit, which you can grab absolutely free in the show notes or by heading to parakeeto.com forward slash toolkit. It's packed with training videos, cheat sheets, templates, and all kinds of other great resources to help you start measuring and improving the essential metrics that are going to drive better profitability in your business. And it's helped thousands of other agencies around the world do the same. So I want to encourage you to go and grab a copy of that. And if you'd rather get in the fast lane and just have our team of experts guide you through the process of measuring and improving your profitability, then I want to encourage you to apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. And with that, I want to thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoy the episode and I'll let you get back to it. Yeah. So I, I like the way that you describe that. And there's a couple of things that I want to really um, reinforce and also provide some resources to our listeners on because we've covered a lot of these different topics that I think cascade nicely into what you've just summarized here. So the first thing that you said that I think is critically important is start with focusing on the gross profitability of your work. Um, I think we both agreed, like if that's not there, everything else is going to be harder, you know, like, and I think we see this all the time when clients come to us and they're super focused on the net profit number. And we're like, okay, your problem isn't that you're spending, you know, an extra $200 a month on a bookkeeper when you could be spending a little bit less. It's that your work's not profitable. You're not scoping it right. You're not charging enough. Like there's something in the operational model. You're, you feel like you're suffering from indigestion, but it's or from starvation, but you're actually experiencing indigestion. So let's fix that first. Then you can manage to the net profit number. And again, if the work is profitable to begin with, that should to a large extent take care of itself as long as you're not overspending on things and, and being ridiculous. And then the last piece here is, do you pull the money out or reinvest it in? And I like the way you frame that, you know, and looking at it in terms of the question of risk um, and thinking about like, is there an opportunity to reinvest this money to keep up with demand? In which case the risk is you know, if you know your gross profit's good and if you know you're managing to like good net margins, then you can pretty much forecast if we put this, you know, couple hundred thousand dollars in to staff up, then we should get this much in return and then balance that against, can I get credit for that? And then also invest this money elsewhere and get double returns. Um, you know, is the risk higher in the business than outside of the business? So really kind of thinking of that in a holistic way, I think is a, is a powerful exercise, but the ability to do that with confidence comes from good fundamentals in the business, profitable work, 
you know, good financial management visibility into your overhead, how that relates to your gross profit um, so that you actually can make an informed decision about if I put a dollar back into the business, what can I realistically expect to get back out? Um, And then related to this, a couple of things that you mentioned that I want to touch on. There's an episode on the show here with Chris Hervishon where he talks about how to think about how much cash should be in the business based on things like, are we planning on purchasing a building? Is there a partner leaving soon? How fast are we growing? Right. So how much cash should you leave in to plan for those things? Uh, Michelle Seiler Tucker was just on the show talking about how to think about the valuation of your business. So some considerations there, right? Is it worth pumping some money back in to change your growth rate by a little bit. Is that going to have a material impact on your exit? Well, if you have an exit plan, then you can actually make an informed decision about that. Um, so these things, like they all cascade together to make that question of what do I do with this money? Probably a lot easier to answer if your ducks are in a row on those things kind of beforehand. Yeah, that's a great summary, by the way. Really good. <laughs> you really captured all that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like I was uh, touching on a little bit is like the numbers. I like to do the math on stuff. And, and, and you know, you'd be surprised how generally consistent a lot of the math looks over time, you know, and you know your business well, you know the customer, you know, a lot of times the pricing is, is you know, sort of consistent in in the industry there's always younger people willing to pay you know charge less because they're new like you were at one point um and there's other factors but um you really can look at you know your your kind of averages and and you can have a pretty simple at least for our size business you know you can have a pretty simple idea of like if I bill this amount of money every month, this is roughly what is going to happen by the end of the month, you know? And when you're looking at that, um, and I would always every year kind of reverse engineer that. I look at all our numbers. I look at the percentages. I see if they were in line with expectation. I see if maybe we're, we're doing better because we made some shifts in staffing or whatever, or maybe we got a new client that they were fresh to us. We got out, we got started with them charging a little bit more. You're always trying to charge more and sort of train, you know, get into a new client with, with higher margins and train the old ones up, you know, because you grow and you're in service businesses, you start being, you know, trying to charge less and you work your way up. And, um, but you could say, listen, I, every month, this is what I need to make. And that's going to, that's going to cover my basic scenario. And then if I'm making more than that every month, if every month I look at it and I make an extra 50 or hundred thousand dollars a month, more than my target, well, that's going to be my surplus. That's going to build up over time. And I, every month I, I mean, in a spreadsheet, I look at our billings and I'd have just a simple average, you know, and I say, okay, our average for this year was it's been $50,000 over our target. So in six months, that means I have $300,000 of surplus that I can count on to do whatever I need to do. If I need to staff up and I want to, inv- that's where you might invest some extra money initially. Uh, if I want to take some money out for the partners, reward them. If it came to, comes to gear and, and infrastructure, you can always finance that. You can finance gear and infrastructure really easily through equipment leases. And once you, your company is old enough, like you can get, I can literally finance $200,000 with a few phone calls, no personal guarantee. You know, I mean, if you have a good payment history with a, with a group of, of, of leasers or equipment leasers, 
equipment's easy. And, you know, you don't go out and generally expand your space, you know, on short notice. You know, you go into a new space, you go with, with some capacity, you know how many more rooms or desks you can build out, you know where that's going to go. Eventually, you'll run out of space and you got to do a reset. But that's going to, you know, I mean, if you're growing like huge, like, I don't know, you have to do that more quickly. In our case, it was pretty steady. So you you can see what that surplus is going to be, you know, Um and that in because we were, you know, we had terms net 60, basically, it's like, I saw our billings. And by the time we get paid, like, it's like, the, I knew what the surplus was. And, it, and then it starts to come in a few months later. So it, it just starts to play out pretty basically as you saw it, you know, and you know, you know, so you can plan ahead three months, like, this is what we're going to be doing. This is what I want to do. The, you know, bonuses for the owners, we would kind of know they were coming a few months in advance, you know, uh, because we knew that money was going to show up. So it doesn't take that much planning for a business even of that size, you know, and that's that's the size of business I help. That's what I, you know, ran. And when I know I don't, I don't help multinational conglomerate publicly traded companies, you know, I'm, I'm not that guy, but um but yeah, it doesn't take a lot of planning, but it's like a lot of people just don't do it or they mainly because they don't have the time, you know, <laughs> um, business owners are busy. And if you don't have a financially minded partner, like if you don't have that kind of uh, finance partner or CFO partner or whatever, that's where I find that companies really struggle because the two owners are like creatives, you know, they don't want to do that and they don't even know how, but they don't really have someone like you can't just have a bookkeeper do that, you know, Um so it, it's it's a it's a hard thing to solve that that piece. And I, ironically, for me, not unexpectedly, I just happen to become available to some friends' companies, and they're like, "Wow, you're you're doing that now? Will you do that for us? We we really need someone to look at our numbers and tell us if our, this business is worth being in." You know. Well, Joe, we have delved into lots of fantastically nerdy things today. Um, I think there's lots of insights from what you've shared today that I'm sure our listeners will take away. Um, but for those that want to follow more of your work and what you're doing and reach out to you, where can they find you online and uh, follow you? Yeah, my website is playlouder.com. Um, it's my, my, my motto is work smarter, plan better, play louder. And, uh, you know, I do consulting work. That's my primary thing. But my play ladder is kind of my, my blog where I pretty much give away as much of this information, you know, to individuals and small business owners and whoever, you know, for free. And I have some courses there as well, both free and paid. And um, so that that's where I'm at. man. if I'm not doing my consulting work, I'm I'm throwing up more content on my blog. <clears throat> Well, there you have it, folks. It'll be in the show notes if you want to go check out what Joe's doing over at Play Louder. Definitely go down there and check that out. And with that, Joe, I want to thank you for making some time for us today and being on the show. Really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me. It was fun. All right. And with that, everyone, thanks for tuning in. Let us know in the comments, wherever you're listening to this, what you took away from the episode. And we'll see you on the next. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you've ever found yourself thinking, man, I get so much value from this podcast. I wish there was something I could do to return the favor. Well, today's your lucky day because you can leave us a review wherever you're listening to this. And it is incredibly helpful. Of course, if you haven't grabbed a free copy of the Agency Profit Toolkit, go and get that. It's got tons of free resources to help you improve your profitability. If you're looking to get in the fast lane and get help from experts to improve your profitability and measure your most important metrics, then apply for a consultation at parakeeto.com. We'd love to chat with you and figure out how we can help. 
With all of that, thank you so much for being a listener, and we will see you on the next episode.
Bitcoin.